What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David. We are here. We're going to do post game, but to lead off the show, we've got a special guest, Mr. Stephen Bagel. Bagel, Bagel. Look, I said I was going to say it right, and I butchered it anyway. He is the host of the Bird Rice podcast here at Sports Ethos, and he is, you know, a specialist in all things front office. So we're going to talk about the trade deadline. There's a lot of stuff going on in the NBA, a lot of big names moving. A lot of small names that got moved twice right now. And so so we are going to look at the Grizzlies and some potential trade targets for the Grizzlies. And Steven is going to help us break that down on more of a front office level. Before we get to Steven, Isaac, how are you, man? man doing well, man. And, and this is one of my favorite points in the NBA season, man. We're about 24 hours away from the NBA trade deadline and I kind of said I thought this would be a, a very active deadline, and, and we saw that, man. We had two, two or three big trades right out of the gate. It's been kind of quiet today. Um, you're hearing about the, the Harden and, and Philly uh, stuff, and, and you're hearing conflicting reports. There are reports that they're not talking at all. There are also reports that they're far in on the deal. So I, I don't know what's true, and, and there's been kind of a thought that people are kind of waiting around to see what this thing goes through, and if it does, if the floodgates are going to open with more trades. So, Kind of wait and see, Mo. It's been kind of quiet today, but uh, we're going to see what happens with that. But I got a feeling it's going to be a, a lot of action tomorrow. I think this is going to be one of the more active deadlines we've seen in a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard. You know, some of the names that have been moved are, are extremely shocking. So uh, let's bounce it over to Steven. Steven, tell everybody a little bit about your show before we get rolling on the targets for the Grizzly and let them know what you focus on and uh, where, where they can find you. Okay, so I'm the host, as you said, of Sports Ethos' Bird Rates podcast. And obviously, Bird Rates is named after the provision to keep guys under contract that even when you're over the salary cap. And yeah, as you said, I am a front office and salary cap um, podcast. I do some mock drafts as well when we get closer to mock draft season and the offseason. But I mostly focus on, you know, potential trades, what teams can do how much cash space I have, everything like that. I try to, you know, break down the technicalities of the front office. I actually just last week had Yossi Goslin, who was Hoop Hype's salary cap expert on last week. So for any front office nodes that want to listen to us, you know, talk about what to expect at the deadline, anything like that, then definitely tune into that. And yeah, I'm excited to be here. Well, we appreciate you coming on, man. So we kind of talked a little bit before we got started. I gave you a, a few of the targets or a couple of the targets that uh, Isaac and I wanted to discuss. And um, Isaac, I'll actually, I'll let you throw it to him. Wh- which guy would you like to talk about first? Um, we, we can go with Marvin Bagley. Um, is an interesting case, a guy who w- was drafted by, by Sacramento and just hasn't seemed to, to really fit in or even want to be there kind of, the entire time he's been there, he's had some injuries. Um, and, and who would have thought that Tyrese Halliburton would be gone from, from the Sacramento Kings before Marvin Bagley? I don't think anybody kind of saw that one coming, but he's still there. But I, the, the talk is that they, they would like to move on from him. That's kind of been a talk for a while. And I think for a team like the Grizzlies that, that are a young team, uh, in, in a small market, you're always kind of looking for guys that you can possibly catch lightning in a bottle, um, a guy that you might not have to give up a whole lot for, but could end up paying bigger dividends down the line for you. He's a guy that, that really fits the timeline with, with John Jaron and his team. Well, what are your kind of thoughts on, on Marvin Bagley? Do you think he'll be moved? And w- what do you think it would take to get him? 
I think the writing on the wall is definitely enough for him to be moved, especially now that that Halliburton for Sabonis swap happens. It's been reported, I think, by Mark Stein today that they don't even want to move Harrison Barnes anymore unless yeah. it's for an upgrade. They're really, you know, trying to push our chips in. If they the miss the playoffs this year, yeah, if they miss the playoffs this year, it's the longest playoff drought in NBA history, and that's obviously not a title you want to own. So, I mean, the the Grizzlies are kind of at a crossroad where. And I talked about this when I was on the Warriors pod last week, where they're trying to compete and, you know, continue to get younger at the same time. And that's a phenomenal problem to have. Yeah. So the question is, if you think Bagley, how good is he actually? Do you think he's better than he's shown because Sacramento is, for lack of a better term, a poverty franchise that isn't great at developing <laughs> players? Or uh, it, it depends what, you know, the Grizzlies front office thinks about Bagley. I mean, financially, you could do a Kyle Anderson for Marvin Bagley with where the Kings are going. I think they'd probably do that straight up, if I'm being honest. Because the Kings are, you know, trying to win now. And Kyle Anderson has shown what he is. Marvin Bagley, you know, we haven't seen that from him yet. Yeah, I can't say, I, uh, go ahead. I, I can't say that I would have an issue with that. I, I would, no, I would think would the I. Kings probably would would, uh, would want like maybe some draft compensation, maybe a, a future yeah. second or something like that, and I would be completely fine with that as well. I think Kyle Anderson would slide in nice on that roster. One of the things that you look at as far as needs for the Kings roster to make a trade happen, they need shooting and they need defense. Kyle doesn't necessarily bring the shooting, although he shot a career high last season from three, but he is a, a plus defender and he can guard multiple positions. So that would be something, you know, it gives them another playmaker coming off of the bench and, and a guy that could definitely help sure up the defense. And, and again, with the guy, you know, Bagley being 22 years old, he's heading into free agency, but with the amount of production that he's had in the league so far, I can't imagine that he's going to demand uh, – like yeah. just some sort of massive contract, he's going to have to do a prove it contract. And, you know, if he gets here and he shows the Grizzlies enough, they may be able to get a young talent. And this, this coaching staff has proven time and time again, that they can develop talent like nobody's business. So, you know, Bagley has all of the tools. If he gets in the right position, the right place, are we going to see all of those tools come to fruition? Yeah, it, it definitely makes a lot of sense to me for, for the Grizzlies. Again, because as we said, I mean, he's 22 years old. I mean, you kind of look at that Sacramento franchise, and it's been a mess. It's kind of hard to trust anything that you see from, from any development or, or, or when they bring guys in. So you know the talent that he had in college and, and kind of what people felt about him coming into the NBA. Is that still in there? And, and I think if you move in Kyle Anderson and uh, a future second, I don't think that's a big price to pay because, honestly – you could be losing Kyle Anderson at the end of the season for nothing anyway. Uh, I know he's a, a big part of his team, and people talk about the chemistry, and I, I love Kyle. It's not like I'm trying to push him out the door, but this front office has said time and time again that they're thinking long-term, and if you bring in Bagley, again, you could be catching light in the bottle. It doesn't not going to take a whole lot, I don't think, for you to bring him in. I think you'd probably be able to get him back on a proven deal, as David said. Not going to break the bank to get him. I don't see teams beating down the door because he hadn't proven anything. And, and if he does turn out to be a player, I mean, that's just a, another steal for this front office. We've seen guys develop. We've seen what Desmond Bain has done in, in year two. And we've seen uh, development. Zaire Williams is a guy who a lot of us here in Memphis wasn't big on when they took him up, moved up and took him at 10. But you kind of see the way he's developed from in front of earlier in the season to, the, to now. Uh, that development, I think, is, is really important for this team. And I think 
Bagley is a guy that fits the timeline and, and could have a, a lot of room to go into that ceiling. And again, if you low risk on it and you bring him in, I mean, he could end up being another big piece for this team that you didn't have to give up a lot to get. Yeah, and we've seen the Grizzlies make moves like that. You know, they're obviously trying to win now, but they're still prioritizing that youth. We saw that with the Jonas Valanciunas, Steven Adams swap, where they moved up, I think, from pick 17 to pick 10 and acquired an extra first-round pick. Like, it feels like with a lot of the trades they're making, they're playing chess while a lot of other people are playing checkers. And it's yeah. great for Great them. analogy. So, yeah, Bagley, I... It, I don't know what to think of him. I wasn't huge on him when he came out of college, but again, number two pick this guy that was drafted over Luka Doncic. So clearly there has to be something in there that, and as you said, the Grizzlies are just about top tier at unlocking guys' potential and developing players. The only issue I see with Bagley that might give the front office a little trepidation is the Grizzlies are projected to be a cap space team. Assuming, you know, they waive everyone's um, everyone's cap holds as a free agent. So that's Kyle Anderson, that's Tyus Jones, and that's Jared Colbert. Bagley, if they want to resign him, he has a $28 million cap hold, so they'd have to operate as a over-the-cap space team, yeah. which yeah. they would be fine with, quite frankly. We've seen the Grizzlies, you know, when they had cap space a couple years ago, they made that um, trade with Miami to bring in James Johnson and Deion Waiters, and they, or one of them, and then ended up buying them out, if I'm remembering correctly. But you, you see all the time the Grizzlies are more focused on player development and developing inside and drafting well rather than they know those small markets going to be tougher for them to get free agents. So the cash space might not be a huge concern to them. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was going to say that's, that's why that I think Bagley does make some sense. If there's anything, you got to look at the, the landscape of the NBA and, and think of a situation where a, a team might kind of take a risk on that potential. Memphis would be, definitely be, I think, near the top of the list. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. That's kind of I, I was going to go along those same lines, but you know, I, I I don't think that we have to the the cap space thing. The owner of the Grizzlies has increased in value significantly since buying the Grizzlies, and so you know, I, I don't I don't know that he's going to be a guy that's just going to be like open up the checkbook, go and get it. But I don't think he's a guy that's going to be so tight to be like, okay, we're not going to take a risk and go out because this is going to put us over the cap. Yeah. And that's a good thing about, you know, having good ownership. We, for example, we just saw Steve Ballmer, who's the richest owner in sports. Everyone said, Oh, with Paul George and Kawhi out, the Clippers are going to, you know, reduce the luxury tax bill. He acquired Norman Powell and Robert Covington. He, he doesn't care. So the pennies on the dollar, man. I can't. Yeah, yeah, man. That trade still blows my mind. Yeah. I can't can't believe it. Having an owner that's going to be willing to spend is definitely a huge competitive advantage. That act. That that actually works as a great segue because the second guy that that we uh, we want to talk to Stephen about before we get him out of here is is actually Yusuf Nurkic from the Portland Trailblazers. I know we were talking about Balmer, but he mentioned uh, Robert Covington and Norman Powell. They got them pennies on the dollar from the Trailblazers, and the Blazers have made a number of trades heading into this deadline that make you scratch your head. But before we get into the use of Nurkic to the uh, to the Grizzlies thing. What is your take on what the Blazers are doing and what do you expect their goal is with the moves that they've made? Because they're head-scratching moves, to, to say the least. 
My thinking is that they definitely, I actually tweeted out a little bit ago after they traded Nikhil Alexander-Walker now, that I believe with Anthony Simon's cap hold, given he's a restricted free agent, and that's it, they about four, They would have about $42 million in cap space. So I, I, get the, I get the theory of wanting to have cap space, but if you have Damian Lillard and absolutely nothing else left on that roster, who, who are you going to spend it on? I mean, they, they acquired a $20 million player option yesterday in the C.J. McCollum trade. So maybe that, you know, if they want to get like a Jeremy Grant type, he fits into that player option or the, excuse me, that player um, trade to player exception. So, but even so, do, does that get, does that put them in a better spot than they were in previously? Because I, I don't think so. So I get the theory of, okay, we don't want to pay the tax. And they got out of that with the Covington and Norman Powell move, which there could have been a lot easier ways to accomplish that. But I guess they had buyer's remorse on the Norman Powell five-year deal. They got off of that. They brought in Keon Johnson, who they must be pretty high on. But the fact that they traded McCollum and Covington and Powell and Larry Nance and only got one first, albeit it's probably going to be a lottery pick first. And that's all you have to show for it, along aside from some cast space and traded player exception. It's I agree, it's head scratching to me. Yeah, it's de- it's definitely head scratching. Like I, I didn't get. I mean, I understand that they're trying to tear it down, but like you said, I think there were better ways. There had to be better. I I, I just can't believe that's the best deal that they could have gotten, especially the the the, the Powell and Covington deal. I, I I just think there had to be teams that would have been willing to give them more compensation than they got for that deal. And it, it's tough. I mean, similar to what you, what you just said, we just talked about with Memphis. Portland is not a, a market that's going to be big on attracting free agents. I mean, I think the idea of having cap space is great, and you, you want to tear this thing down. And weirdly, Dame has come out again today, man, and said that he still wants to be there. David and I have talked about that a lot here on, on the podcast. Um, I know it's not a Blazer podcast, but we've breached the subject a lot. I, I'm just surprised that, that Dame – hasn't decided that he he wants to get out of there. I just think at some point for, for both parties, I think they're going to have to look at this thing and say, I think it's best for both of us. Dave is 31. It's going to be 32 in July. He's at the point now in his career where if he's going to go somewhere and winning, I think the time to win and the time is now. I think, I don't know if he's him sticking around for a rebuild is best for him. And I think him being a piece that could, could really net the, the trailblazers, the, the tools they need to kind of go fully in a rebuild mode. I, I think, it's best for them as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But again, man, you look at the, the moves they made and, and what they have to show for it. It just seems like they could have gotten more. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I definitely agree. I think, as I said, the fact that you traded four starter caliber players and only have one first round pick again, the first round pick could be really good. It's if it falls within five and 14, they get it. So they might have two lottery picks this year, but the fact that that's all you have to show for it. I mean, again, I know cap space is an asset. I know a traded player exception is an asset. But, I mean, they tore the roster down to the studs with everyone minus Damon Nochek. And I don't think they're in that great of a position they were in before. Now, if they traded Damian Lillard and got, you know, the Anthony Davis or the James Harden type package of yeah. four first three swaps, then you're in business. But it doesn't seem like that's what they want to do. Yeah, it, it's definitely weird. Asset management has been a strong suit for uh, King Kleiman in this front office here in Memphis. And so to watch a team like the the Blazers 
tear it down the way that they have. And, and you know, I, I'm I'm high on Josh Hart. I love Josh Hart and what he brings to the table. You know, they, they on the, depending on where you look at, they have him listed different positions. But, you know, he's like a, a two or three, basically, you know, shooting guard, small forward that can rebound the ball very well. He, he's proven this year that, you know, he, he can impact – good basketball like he, he's great on the defensive end so that, that's a good piece to put around dame and, and i think that that may be something that we're seeing here you look at anthony simons comparatively to cj mccollum and mccollum is a more proven scorer but anthony simons is far and away a better defender we know what dame's deficiencies are and you look at some of the pieces that they got they, they've improved their defense but they don't have enough firepower at this point. So it's going to be interesting. Trade deadline's not here. Let, let's get into Nurkic. What, what do you think realistically they would be looking at for a package with use of Nurkic? Or do you feel like he may be a guy, because he's only 27 years old, that they, they decide that they want to keep him around and use some of that uh, salary cap that they've opened up? Well... Initially, I was thinking, okay, well, it would have to be like a Steven Adams for Nurkic type swap. The Trailblazers aren't going to do that with Steven Adams' remaining contract. They're going to, you know, they're acquiring all expiring contracts with non-guaranteed guys just about. So, um, again, Nurkic makes 12 mil, so that would put us again in the Kyle Anderson range. Given that the Grizzlies have three first-round picks in 2022 – maybe package one of those to give the, the Blazers a third pick in 2022 and, you know, package that with slow-mo for Nurchik and then flip Steven Adams to a third team. I'm not sure what that would look like. I can't honestly think of a third team off the top of my head. Maybe as we continue the conversation, I'll think of one, but something like that I could definitely foresee happening. But the question is, is Nurchik that big of an upgrade to Steven Adams that it's worth giving up? a first-round pick. Isaac, I'll let you go from here, and then, then I'll come in after. Yeah, man, uh, that, that, that's an interesting question. Uh, I don't think, again, I've seen a lot of people speculate when, when you talk about Nurkic possibly, possibly to the Grizzlies, that's Stephen Adams for Nurkic squad, swap. And I don't think Portland's going to be willing to do that because of that extra big year that Stephen Adams has on their contract at, at big money next year that's kind of, not how they're operating, but if I'm the Grizzlies, I think I'd definitely make that call because it seems like they're willing to pretty much give guys away. I mean, that's kind of what we're seeing because I thought uh, NAW would be a guy that they got that got the deal from from New Orleans that they could keep there and, and help with their rebuild. Uh, that was a piece that they could really use. I mean, he's a good player, really young player, 22, 23 years old, uh, still with a lot of potential and is already playing pretty well. I just thought that was a piece they would keep. I was kind of surprised to see that move today. I kind of head scratched and didn't know what they were doing, but uh, I, I like Nurkic a lot. Uh, I think I mean, he's a really good rebounder, uh, can, um, score, uh, do, do a lot of different things for you. I do think he's a, a upgrade for, for Adams, uh, but it, it would be interesting to see how that works. I don't know if he's a guy that you, you could possibly keep, keep both of them around. I don't think Adams is long for this roster. Maybe you keep both of them this season. Uh, I, I think there's a possibility that Adams won't be back next year in some capacity where they move on from a trade over the summer. We'll see what happens with that. But I, I wouldn't mind saying that, man. I've always been a big fan of Merkix. And to, again, it just seems like Portland is wide open for business and you might be able to, to get a guy on, on a discount that you normally could get uh, seeing kind of the moves that they've already made. Yeah, and we talked about the, you know, the upgrade or, or not. And is 
the gap between the two first round pick where the maybe maybe they do look at the Adams thing and you know Portland hadn't been taken on salary but maybe adding that first round pick be like hey you know we we'll send you Adams and a first for Nurkic maybe that will be that first round pick will be enticing enough for them to take on that salary and again you know if if you're looking to bolster defense around Dame Lillard you know, Stephen Adams, you can look at what he's been able to do here in Memphis this year. He, he's historically a good defensive big man. And, you know, I, I, I don't know that I, – I think that you're fine defensively. Obviously, you, you're losing quite a bit on the offensive end going from Nurkic to Adams. But I, I like I like Nurkic. I think he'd be a good fit here in Memphis. I don't know what it would take. And, and like Isaac just said, man, it seems like they're having more of like a clearance sell and yeah. so, you know, maybe you can get him for something that would not typically be an offer that you think would go through. Yeah, that's that's fair. The only thing, again, that I'm thinking of is that Norman Powell, he had money on his deal. McCollum was a negative asset contract that had money beyond this year. Um, even Keel Alexander-Walker, I know it was only $5 million, but he had money beyond this year. It seems to just be a trend. So Nurchik with his expiring contracts, sure. The theory always is get a asset for a guy who you're not going to be able to retain and, you know, trade it before he hits free agency. So I get that, but it just seems like, again, I, I could definitely be wrong. It wouldn't shock me at all if Nurchik is traded. But I'm just, I'm not so sure. It also gives me some trepidation because, I might be wrong. I know he was definitely a groomsman. I think he might have been the best man at Dame's wedding this summer. So if they really want to keep Dame happy and appease him and keep him in town, they, they might need to keep him. Yeah. Yeah, and, and with the moves they've made, they could definitely sign him to, to a deal. They've got the space to sign him. And it, it's, it's going to be, I think, this offseason, because of moves that have been made so far, at the trade deadline, this offseason is going to be another extremely interesting offseason because you're going to have teams like the Blazers that have made these moves that are going to have the cap space. And there's a lot of guys that are heading into free agency that, you know, I don't know, is James Harden, you know, we hear the talks about Philly and all of that. You know, does James Harden want to go and play side-by-side -side with Dame Lillard? Is that a possibility? with the moves that they've made, they may have the space where they can go out and get a guy like James Harden. So it's a lot of stuff that could happen between now and the trade deadline. We still got about 24 hours, a little bit less than 24 hours before the actual trade deadline tomorrow. Um, I've been on the side that I don't really think that the Grizzlies are going to make a move at the deadline. I think their moves are happening in the off season, but we will see Steven. We appreciate you taking time out of your day and coming on with us, man. Let everybody know where they can find you and your podcast. Again, his podcast is the Bird Rides podcast here on the Sports Ethos Network. Definitely go over there and check him out. Um, I listened to the show with um, Yossi. Was that? Yossi. Yeah. So I, I listened to that show. It was fantastic. A lot of great content in there. Go over there and check him out. Steven, let them know where they can find you, and let's get you out of here, man. As um, as you said, you can find me on Twitter at Bird Rides Pod. Bird Rides Pod is my um, – my podcast look for my it's on the sports ethos website it's free to everyone so you don't need to be a subscriber my mock trade deadline part one and part two are released part three is actually in the hands of our editor right now and it will be posted later today 
So it's a three-part article where I got 14 other great basketball minds. And, you know, they, they each represented two teams that negotiated amongst each other, complying with salary cap rules, everything like that. So it's, it was definitely a fun exercise to do. I usually do it every year by myself. This year was the first year I expanded it to include other people. But it's definitely an interesting article to see our thought process. I give expl- explanations behind every trade. So if you're interested to see what will happen by tomorrow at, I believe the deadline's 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, whichever. 3 p.m. Eastern. 3 p.m. Yep, Eastern. So either way, um, be on the lookout for that, and you could get our perspective with, um, with that. Before you go, I actually forgot about that. You told me you were the GM for the Grizzlies. In that. Yes, I was. So what moves, as the GM of the Grizzlies, what moves did you make? I actually had an offer on the table to acquire Carl Anthony Towns. And I actually backed out of it because of the fact that I don't want to give up Desmond Bain. So that that was one where I was like, okay, you kind of have a poor man's Carl Anthony Towns and Jaron Jackson from the aspect of shooting. But I, I didn't think I needed to make a major move like that, like a splashy type move. Um, I ended up, I'm trying to think. I, I wrote the article this morning. I ended up, I ended up holding Pat on a lot because, I, oh, I remember what I did. I was trying to get Jeremy Grant's and the Cavs were offering two first-rounders, so I, I didn't want to trump that. I ended up in a three-teamer acquiring Curtis Levert, who obviously that's moved now that he was traded to Cleveland's. But that was a move where it was Culver, slow-mo, and a pick I gave up to get Levert. And that's the type of move I envision the Grizzlies making because they're one of the deepest teams in the league. So I think if they could make a consolidation trade like that, well, they could do a two-for-one or even a three-for-one or a three-for-two, something like that. I think that would be beneficial to them. So I think Jared Culver's definitely, he's that mid-type salary that I think they could definitely move. And so you could package him in slow-mo to get a guy like Levert or a guy like Jeremy Grants. That was the type of moves I was making. I was looking at making a run at a guy like Danilo Gallinari. I was looking at making a move like a Marcus Morris type. So those are the kind of guys, and then maybe like a Malik Beasley, as you said, shooting and defense are the biggest needs for the Grizzlies. So that's just, you know, the type of guys that I would inquire about if I were them that I think are realistic targets and Memphis is a realistic landing spot for those guys. Well, after last night, Marcus Morris is fighting words, sir. Um, next time I see you, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that'll ever happen. Yeah, we, but, we uh, don't need to go that the route. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we, we appreciate you coming on. We'll let you get Definitely. out of here. And, and th- thanks again. Yeah, thank you also for having me. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Yeah, man, make sure you go over to check out his podcast, man, the Bird Rice Podcast here on the Sports Ethos Network, man. I mean, he, he knows his stuff, man. Great insight. Definitely enjoyed having him, on, having him here on the program. Thanks again to our buddy Stephen from the Bird Rice Podcast. We're going to move on from that. I, I do wish I would have asked him before we got him off here what the details of that Carl Anthony Towns trade was because that, that was interesting. Yeah, I, I don't it was interesting. Towns <laughs> – is a guy that Minnesota is looking to move, but you know, you always, when you get people that are, are looking to do stuff like that, you, you sometimes often you get crazy off the wall stuff, but I would be interested to see what the details were of that Carl Anthony towns trade. 
We're going to jump into last, last night's game, talk about the, the Grizzlies beating up on the Clippers. And the final score is 135 to 109, 26-point victory for the Grizzlies. But this game didn't even really seem that close, man. The Grizzlies ran away with this one. They they, they got into a double-digit lead. I think the, the Clippers got it into single digits maybe one time after that. Let me look here. I can't remember. Did they even get it back to single digits at all? I, I can't even remember, man. But second second game in a row, 135 points put up on the board by the Grizzlies. And they scored 135 points and only hit nine threes, which is insanity in today's NBA. For you to be able to put 135 points on the board and only hit nine threes. I mean, that's only 27 points out of three-pointers. I mean, that has to be a, a – like up there in record for a team to only hit nine threes and score 135 points. But I, I thought coming into this game, man, I, I, it wasn't that I didn't think the Grizzlies were going to win it, but I, I kind of thought this would could, could kind of end up being a tough game. I mean, you saw the Grizzlies were 3-0 and uh, against the Clippers coming into the game. Clippers with some new additions, of course, with Norman Powell and Robert Covington. Both guys had really good games in their debut. Norman Powell with 28 points um, in his first game with the Clippers. And we've known both of those guys to kind of be Grizz killers. Um, that's, and that's kind of what kind of upset me more about this deal, man. I was like, man, you got Portland just kind of waving a white flag and you're kind of handing these guys to the Clippers, and, and that makes them a lot better th- th- even this season. Uh, it does look like Kawhi's going to be back. Tyron Lue kind of commented on that the other day and said that he doesn't think he'll be back this season, but they'll get Paul George back, and, and you think about that wing rotation with Paul George, Powell, uh, Robert Covington, and even next year when they get Kawhi back, how deep and talented that team is going to be. Um, I, I, it, that trade Still kind of irks me. I'm kind of upset about it, kind of jealous about it. But, uh, yeah, man, the Grizzlies came out and really imposed their will pretty much early. I mean, it was a little back and forth, punch is thrown early. But outside, once the Grizzlies kind of pulled away in that thing, man, they just kind of ran away with it. And this team is just playing phenomenal right now, man. And, and game in and game out, man, they've just been able to impose their will on teams. Jared said in the postgame last night that you, you like to see teams quit. Like, you can't really – like once you get them to you think they're quit, you can't just decide you're done and start playing like days ago. But he said you can tell a shift in emotion and energy from teams. And he said they've seen that a lot from teams lately. And I think you definitely saw that from, from the Clippers last night because Tyrone Luke kind of waved a white flag and you kind of had a lot of bench guys in there for a long stretch of time. Extended garbage time, as I call it, last night. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So the Grizzlies got a double-digit lead. Uh, it looks like – Oh, what is that, first quarter? And the closest the Clippers got was about six points after that. And then in the second half, man, they never got it down to single digits at all. It looks like 11 was as close as the Clippers got it. But this was just a dominant performance. The the Grizzlies, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr. had a huge game, 26-11 and from Jaron, just attacking nine for nine from the free throw line from Jaron last night. The Grizzlies imposed their will, and – it's surprising to me that, that you see a team like the Clippers. They're, they're not, you know, they make that move to get Norm Powell and Robert Covington. They're not leaning into a tank because they lost their superstars. They're, they're still trying to win. So it was crazy for me to watch this team kind of give up the way that they did. And, you know, Isaac just touched one and Jaron talked about it. You just don't see that very often. Um, do you you said something about they'll get Paul George back? Have you heard something that I haven't? Because the last update that I got, there was still uncertainty on whether or not Paul George was going to return this season. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I had heard those reports as well, but just kind of since then, you haven't really heard of the, the thought that he's not coming back this year. It's just kind of been said from like things that I've read and heard that, that they, they expect him to be back. Um, I thought possibly when it looked like Kawhi wasn't going to be back and, and everything like that, he wouldn't come back. But I think now that they made these moves, uh, that, that that might even entice more to increase the chances that he'll be back. Because I think it was a situation where he could decide to have surgery. I can't even remember what the injury is now. But could have, decide to have surgery and it could end the season or he could make the decision to come back. We'll see. But I just, from everything I've read lately, that doesn't, I, you hear about Kawhi, but you haven't really heard that, that Paul's not going to be back. I think I've heard people say once Paul gets back after the All-Star break and et cetera. So it seems like he he's coming back. And again, if he does, I mean, this, this team could be a problem for some teams down the stretch because I mean that's a lot of a lot of talent. But it, it was weird to kind of see how how they gave up last night. Like this is not what I expected from this game. Again, I felt like the Grizzlies would win the game, but I felt like it could be tough because again we've known North Powell and Robert Covington to be Grizz killers. Uh, Grizz are three and zero against this team. You know they were gonna, felt like they were going to come out and fight and, and and try to stop them sweep the series, but that wasn't the case at all. Outside of that, that early stretch of the first quarter. This was pretty much all grids, and, and as you said, at the top of the uh, the segment, it, it it didn't even look like it was close to this score finals. We say it felt like Grizz won this game by forty, just kind of the way they dominated. Yeah, the the one thing with the Clippers that is kind of mind boggling to me is the point guard position. They, you know, they moved Bloodsoe, which you know, and the 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 return that they got, you can't blame them at all for making that move. But Reggie Jackson is not a true point guard. And we go back to when Kawhi was healthy, when they got Paul George there, the issue that they had in the playoffs is they didn't have anybody to initiate the offense, really. And, and I saw somebody say the other day, oh, well, you just get playmakers and you let them do their thing. But the, the Clippers got exposed in that playoff series when yeah, they didn't have absolutely. a true point guard. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are fantastic, but you can scheme and you can stop those guys. You can make it hard on those guys. And without having a true point guard on that team, they're, I think they're still in trouble. Yeah, they've got a lot of firepower. You, you put a starting five out there of Reggie Jackson, Norm Powell, um, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and then insert whoever you want at the five, whether it be Zubat or Isaiah, or Isaiah Hardenstein. Who had a good game last night? It, yeah, he filled it, filled himself for that fourth quarter, man. Take advantage of those minutes, man. You get him, and he he definitely did that last night, man. I, I ain't got no problem with that. He he is he's a good player, honestly, man. Yeah. Like I, I don't I, I don't know that you would say I, maybe he's better than than Zubac. I you know, and, and for me, I think I'd rather see Hardenstein playing over Zubac. I think that he you know he's more athletic. Um, he's not as physical as Zubak, so there's certain matchups where, you know, it, it's going to be better. You're going to be better off playing Zubak, but I, I like Isaiah Hardenstein. He he's an underrated passer. You know, he had four assists last night, and, and he does that because he he's a good passer from the big man position. But there's still a lot of holes in that lineup, even with the names that they have. You know, that starting five is solid: Reggie Jackson, Norm Powell, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Zubak at the five. That's a good starting lineup, but you still don't have that true playmaker on the team. You don't have a guard on the team. And we talk about Tyus Jones and places that he could go and start and be impactful. This is a team that he can go and start for. 
Reggie Jackson has come off of the bench and been kind of that bench gunner before. I think that Tyus Jones would be a, a like stupid good fit for this team. I hope it doesn't happen. I don't want yeah. Stones to go to go to the <laughs> no, not, not at all. I hate to see that. But th- this yeah, is this be- is one of, of a number of different places in the league where Kyle or Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones could go and, and be the starting point guard. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I I, I don't want to see it at all. I'd hate to see see uh, our guy Stones end up with the Clippers, but for him, I think it would be a good situation. I mean, obviously, it's L.A. I mean, pretty much everybody loves that. Uh, and it's a situation where you could be going to a team that has the possibility of competing for a championship, and, and he's the, he could get paid there. I mean, Steve Ballmer, like you said, we talked about with, uh, with Steve uh, here, here on the show, uh, that he's willing to go out and spend some money, man. So I, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think he'd fit in really nice there. Um, and it can, can do a lot of things. I mean, you add him, and especially with this improved shooting, what he's bringing from the perimeter, he fit in real, real well next to, to, to Paul and, and Kawhi. And I think he'd be a great fit in this place where he can go to start. And then you have that firepower offensively well with Reggie Jackson coming off the bench at that point. Uh, that that would be a be a good fit. Again, I, I, I hate to see it happen, but definitely, definitely makes a lot of sense. So we'll jump back into last night's game. Zyra Williams, 10 points. He... Man, I, I feel like lately we've been talking about this a lot, but the the growth from him, man, every single night, and, and that's both. He was two for two from from three last night, and both of them were corner threes. I I've been talking to Isaac, and when he made both of those threes, I made sure and, and, and let Isaac know he he's shooting thirty seven percent since returning from injury from the corner three. So. I said on the previous show, put him in the corner and let him shoot, and he done that twice last night, knocked them both down. But it, it's just fantastic to see the growth from him and the comfort level. And that is, man, th- there is an excitement building inside of me that was not there early in the season. It, I did not think at the beginning of the season that this team could compete for a championship. But every time I watch these guys play and I see the growth and I see what Ja Moran is able to do, you see games like this from Jaron Jackson and the growth from the guys, it, it it's pushing up in me, man. Like, they may have a legitimate shot to go out here and, and compete for a championship this year, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. When, when you see the, the kind of stuff that we saw last night, I mean, you talk about Jaron and we've talked about Jared and Ja playing well at the same time and, and before kind of this season and mid-season here on, we hadn't really seen it a lot uh, outside of one of those sit there in the bubble where they played really well together. You're seeing that on a night-in and night-out basis. I mean, you're looking at John and Jared last night uh, at 50, 56 points, uh, 18, 18 rebounds uh, b- b- between the two guys. Uh, I mean, and, and that's big-time stuff. And, and people have, have made so much about the rebounding for Jared. I think I think he's shown that that's not an issue, that he can rebound the basketball. You go back to that, that COVID stint that, that Steven Adams had when he was out, and he had big rebounding numbers during that time. And uh, it was one of the walk-off interviews. I can't remember what game it was. Jared had a big – I think he had like 13, 14 rebounds in that game. And uh, I think Fish kind of asked him uh, about the rebound, and he, and, he, and he kind of admitted that basically during the time when he had played with, with JV and, and even with Steven Adams that he, he kind of just allows he, – he doesn't work as hard trying to get the rebounds because he wants to get back up the floor and he kind of allows Steven and, and JV to a lesser extent grab those rebounds. He's getting back down the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he showed 
when, when Stephen Adams was out, he had to move up to the five, that he could rebound the basketball. And even since then, even back during the time, his time's at the four now, he's still doing a really good job. I think he had eight offensive rebounds last night, I want to say. Yeah, uh, just Yeah, man, he's just phenomenal. If he starts rebounding the basketball like that, it, it, the confidence that he has now that going to the basket, he's not just out there hunting threes, man. He's taking it to the defense right now. And that's an aggressiveness that we had really seen from him since, since his rookie year, uh, especially like going – going to the basket-wise and doing stuff inside. I mean, and he starts doing that, man. That's the unicorn-type stuff that we've talked about uh, of him and, and what he's capable of. And lately, man, he's really been on the tear. It's really good to see him and John playing well together like they, they've been. And that, that unlocks something, I think, even more for this team. When you talk about Zaire, from the beginning of this year to now, the confidence just you, – you just saw him early, and he was very timid early in the season, just kind of stood there and waited for those corner threes. Now, now he's – inserting himself into the offense, man. He's doing some stuff off the dribble, pulling up on the mid-range, taking it to the basket, and that's not some stuff that stuff that we saw earlier in the season that, that maybe he wasn't even capable of at that point. So he's shown a lot of growth. And again, man, this we're almost 60 games in, man. This is not a fluke anymore. I mean, people talk about, oh, well, teams get on hot stretches, they got on the heater, and then it comes back down. I mean, night in and night out, man, it's getting to the point now where, I mean, this is real. We still see teams like Golden State and Phoenix, you can pretty much Pistol him in for wins most nights. Nice. Any team's going to take a loss at, at times, but Grizzlies have been consistent just like those elite teams. They go out and more times than not, 90, 90% of the time, take care of business. And that's what we've seen for uh, a pretty long stretch right now, even through injuries and adversity. So, I mean, I don't think this is, again, I don't think there's going to be any drop off here uh, going down, down the stretch. I mean, I think this is, this is real. And I think this team is really. They have the third best record in the NBA, and I think they might be the third right there in those top three or four teams in the NBA. And it's not just something that we're seeing; it's not a mirage. Yeah, yep, I agree with you. You know, I, I think teams have to respect Jaron's ability to shoot the three, and so teams are closing out on him a little more aggressively. And his ability to put the ball on the floor is why we're seeing him attack. And, and I'd be interested. In, I don't know if we'd get you know, like a, a straight-up answer as to what clicked in order for him to start going to the basket as much as he has. But it's almost like a switch flip for him. Yeah. Where he went from, you know, shooting six, seven, eight, you know, threes a night to, you know, and he shot more than this the other night. But he's fine. If they're closing out too fast, he doesn't have to get the – he doesn't have to rush that three. He can pump fake them, put the ball on the floor – and get, you know, get to the foul line. Like I said, he shot nine free throws last night, nine for nine from the line, but getting to the basket. And it, it's been great to watch because a lot of the guys that you see trying to guard him, it, it's a mismatch. Regardless of how you look at it, it's one of two things. Either they're big enough to guard him in the post and they're too slow to guard him on the perimeter. The perimeter. Or they're yeah. fast enough to guard him on the perimeter, but he can own they're them not, in the post. They're not strong enough, yeah. Dude, I, I watched like, I looked at him. He was standing. Uh, you know, I sat on the visitors' end, so like on uh, in section one ten where the visitors come out of the tunnel, and he was standing inside. Like they, it was during a free throw or whatever. They were waiting to get everybody lined up, and he was just standing there. And his body has transformed so much since getting to Memphis. You can man. see yeah. the muscle that he has put on, and I'm like, man that's dangerous. Like you, you could, th this is going to be trouble for the league. And last night was really the first time. And I don't know, really, I know that he didn't just go from, you know, this 
stick figure that came into the league to, you know, big, swole, ripped dude overnight. But I it, just it kind of felt that way. <laughs> yeah. Like I just realized like how big he's gotten last night. And, and that's, uh, that's huge. Putting that muscle on being able to get in there and, and, and bang with these big bodies in the paint, take the type of punishment that your body's going to have to take to, to be in there getting these rebounds. He's putting the muscle on to be able to do that. And, you know, in the off season, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we don't have another five on this team going into next season. I, I think that Jaron is going to be probably the starting five next season and X could possibly be the backup. I, because while X has been out of the rotation this year and how he was the one that got the DNP coach's decision last night, I'll never know. But he's a rotation player in this league. He's proven that. His, his oh, playmaking ability, the, his footwork defensively getting switched on the guards, he, he could very well play, you know, 20, 25 minutes a night uh, playing a backup role to Jaron. And, and I would be completely fine with that. So it would not surprise me at all to see the Grizzlies move off of Jaron – or not Jaron – smack myself in the head there move yeah, off man, of Steve, Stephen Adams but <laughs> move off of Stephen Adams and just plug Jaron at the five moving forward the beginning of the season I would have been nervous as crap about that but now you watch the way that he takes command on the defensive end of the floor and, and I was paying attention to this last night he's talking when you know he, he's hustling back to you back on defense and you can hear him shouting out commands yeah mate yeah he, he's the general out there on the defensive end of the floor. And that's, you know, defensive player of the year. We, we talk about that and, and he's not getting near enough respect nationally for what he's doing defensively, but he's talking and he's talking a lot down there. And I think that the communication on the defensive end of the floor has been, you know, that it's, it's immeasurable. Like that it, it's crazy how much of an impact that has made. And a lot of that comes from Jaron Jackson Jr. If you go to a game and you don't ball watch, you watch what happened. Just watch Jaron defensively and what he's looking like, what his head's doing. He's constantly like he's moving, he's looking, he's watching guys. And if somebody's cutting, he's hollering it out. You know, and, and if somebody's looking for their man, they don't know where he is, like he's yelling and pointing. You can just see that maturity from him and him stepping more into a leadership role on the floor. And I love the heck out of it, man. Yeah, when, when he first came back uh, late last season, when, when he came back at the end of the season, I, I kind of looked at him. I was like, is it, is it, is it just me or is he, he bigger? If I've forgotten how big he was. I mean, he's definitely worked on his body. You can just see from his rookie season because when he came in, I mean, he wasn't small or anything, but, I mean, he was kind of skinny. It wasn't a lot of muscle on him. But now, man, he's a, a, a big dude. There's no doubt about that. Uh, man, I mean, he has total command of this defense. Like you said, you can see him out there calling out, a plays on a defensive end and I mean just what he can do on both sides of the basketball and, and you saw it on both sides on full display last night um he had that one play he didn't end up finishing but he got got the tip uh still out near near half court man came in and then went into the spin move and almost finished I mean for a guy his size to be able to pull something like that off is just just insanity um and, and make sure you go and check out our guy Desmond Bain was on uh JJ Reddick's podcast uh which I'm not a big fan of JJ Reddick, but uh, but check it out because for our guy Bain, it's a great interview, about a 45 to 50 minute interview. He was asked, "Why is Jaron so good on defensive end?" And and, and Desmond basically said, "Because he just doesn't give a damn." 
He's like, when to play that, to be on that level on defensive end, you have to be willing to, at times, you might end up on a poster. Uh, you're gambling. Uh, you might get, get dumped on your head, but you can't worry about that. And he said he's going out there everything. And that's what we've seen from Jared. I mean, he out there blocking threes. I mean, we saw a game where he had multiple block shots on the perimeter. I mean, that's yeah, just something jump that you – Jump, jump yeah. shots, man. That's something that you don't, don't see. Um, I mean, he's just not afraid to, to go out there, man. When you're in the paint, man, if, if he's around – you know, we, we talk about 12 being out here. Man, you got, you got Jared out here, man, in, <laughs> yeah, in the paint. Man, because man, he, he's going after it, man. You're not going to get anything easy when he's on there. But he's definitely become the, the quarterback of his defense. You, you can see him yelling out guys on, on the screen and calling out things. I mean, you can see it all the time. And it's, it, it, it's just amazing to watch it and to think scary to think <clears throat> excuse me, scary to think about what's coming in the future with, with John Jared. I mean, those two pieces, and, and you got Bain and his shooting and, and the things that he brings. I mean, again, I, I, we've said that a lot. I think these three, those three pieces are in, in place. I don't think there's any question about that. Man. It's just how they build around these guys is, is what's going to determine how far this team can go. But, but I think I think we have definitely three special players in those three, and Jared is really coming to his own this year. And it, it one thing that I hate is I, I just he's just not getting enough credit. Like, I really do feel like he should have been all in for the All-Star game, honestly. You look at Draymond and what he's done this year versus Jared. I mean, you could argue that he should have been in anyway um, as a reserve. But, I mean, we know how that stuff works, politics and stuff involved with that and everything. But he's also not getting the credit he deserves. Defensive player of the year, man, leading the NBA in blocks. And you just see these lists. I've seen lists that have 10 guys on them, and he's not even on the list, which is insanity to me. Like, how – you must. there's no way that you've ever watched Grizzlies play. If you – have 10 guys on a defensive player of the year list and don't have Jerry near the top of that list or at all, you're, you're crazy, man. I, I I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, 100%, man. And, and it's just like you know, you know for sure that they're not watching the Grizzlies play when they have those lists and he's not on it. They're, they're just – I watch a ton of basketball, league pass, TNT. If there's basketball on, nine times out of ten it's going to be on – you know, I'm going to be watching it at my house. And so I, I watch a lot of different teams and that's not to say that I know everything about every team. Cause I don't, not at all, but I've watched enough other teams to tell you that there are not five other guys in this league that should be ahead of Jaron in the defensive player of the year talks. There, there are guys that definitely deserve to be in the conversation but there, you know, I've seen some of those same lists, and it's like, you know, if you're going to mention this guy, you got to mention Jaron Jackson Jr. because of what this Grizzlies team is doing defensively and him being the anchor of it. Um, I, I don't really have much else on, on last night's game. You know, we, we gave given Jaron all of his flowers as he deserves. I'm going to share a side by side picture of Jaron in his rookie season and then a picture that was taken at the beginning of this season. And don't pay attention so much to the arms whenever you're looking at this picture, but pay attention to his chest. Look, look at his chest in this picture, and you'll kind of see what I'm talking about. There, there is a massive – he is – his body is significantly thicker. And it, just credit to him for being in the, you know, in the weight room, putting, putting on that muscle and doing the things that he needs to do to get better. Thanks to him and Ja for giving us – like. Ja had 30 points in 25 minutes last night. So 20, 20, 20 if this was right. a if this was a closer game, he could have easily dropped a 40 piece on him. He was yeah, doing, they didn't even play in the fourth quarter at all. They didn't play in the fourth quarter at all. They had 30 points. 
And that's the second game in a row. He had 33 in 29 minutes uh, on, on Saturday in Orlando. I mean, it's just amazing what he's doing, man. That's 63 points in his last 55 minutes of basketball, man. It's just it's getting to the point now, like I said, man, it's just nothing to say anymore. Uh, Desmond Bain kind of said that they kept asking him about Ja and, 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 he, and he was he said on the interview, and we're talking, going back to the interview with, with the J.J. Reddick podcast, uh, he, he just kind of said not to say that it's not special, what, what he's doing. It's just like we're so used to it now, him doing this amazing stuff that we're not even shocked anymore. Like, like what can he do? It's basically where we, we are right now, man. That's just the kind of mode he's in. And, and again, man, just kind of talk about Jared and the defensive player of the year list. Kind of the same thing with job with these MVP lists. You see these lists with five, six, seven, eight guys on them. And a lot of times they don't even have a job on the list, which is, is insanity to me with what he's doing, man. The tear that he's on. I mean, again, man, 30 points last night, 26 minutes, 33 points in 29 minutes in, in Orlando, man. That's, he, he could have easily had 40 in both of those games. Uh, he, he didn't even play much in, in late in both of those games. Could have had 40 points, easy, easy 40 in those games. And, uh, again, man, it's just just been phenomenal. And I think he's just not getting the credit, even though he's getting more credit. Um, the Grizzlies getting more credit than they have in the past. I still don't think they're getting quite the recognition that they deserve. I think it's coming, though, man. I really, yeah, truly coming. do. I, I think over, over these next couple of years, because the buzz is not going to have any choice. We haven't even mentioned it. We, we found out last night, you know, obviously we knew that uh, Desmond Bain was playing in the rising star game, but he, he is going to participate in the three point shootout. I hope that he wins. That would be incredible for the Grizzlies, but I, I've got to mention this before we get out of here. We, we had Steven on, we were talking about trades and stuff like that. I was talking with some guys at the game last night and, and we were talking about, you know, possible moves. And there were, there was one dude like Hills in the sand. I'm not trading anybody. Blah, blah, blah. And he, he wasn't being reasonable, but if you look at this roster and the way that this team is playing right now, they're getting a starting caliber wing that can shoot the three and is one of the best defenders in the league without making a trade they're adding that to this team without making a trade when dylan brooks gets healthy and that's why i said at the beginning of the year i never would have said that i thought the grizzlies had a chance to be hell we we recorded it here on the show i put them at 500 that was my prediction this year after that trade i, put yeah, I think i said 45 so you, you all know like it's on record you know that i did not expect this team to be playing this well but they're they're third in third in the West, third best record in basketball, and Dylan Brooks has been out for what six or seven weeks now. He he's been out for a long time with this ankle injury, and even he was out even before the with COVID. Yeah. I think he had COVID twice. I think Tuesday yeah. you know, where he, he was out with COVID. We missed him in the beginning of the season because of the the injury with the hand. Yeah, so and he's been out COVID. a lot. Yeah, so that they're doing this. Without one of their better players, I don't know. The beginning of the season, I think that you would probably rank him third. Right now, you know, you can debate third, fourth, yeah, third, you know, fourth. Like he, he's one of the five best players on this team, and, and he's not even playing. So the Grizzlies are adding talent to this roster without even making a trade, and that's why I, I think that they, they may surprise us. I, I hope they do. It, it would be so crazy, incredible if they did. If they don't. This this has been a successful season, whatever happens in the playoffs. You know, if you get to the playoffs and you lose a seven-game series or, you know, whatever in the first round, 
that's tough. You don't want to see that happen. I don't think that will happen. Or, you know, you get to the second round and you get swept by a team like Phoenix or something like that. I can see disappointment in there, but I think that they we're going to know what this team needs moving forward by the time this season is over. Man, and I know we're running long, but I do want to touch on this quickly. Uh, but we'll make it brief uh, before we, we jump out of here. And it's hashtag team no trade. Like, like I get it. This team is playing extremely well. They're, they're, they're really young. The, the chemistry is off the charts. There's no doubt about that. I think from the coaching staff, the front office, the, the players, I think everybody's on one accord to a level that I don't think we've ever seen. I mean, you go to that press conference last night, and you got – Melton calling in to the guys on, on Zoom, uh, interviewing uh, Jared, I think, BC, BC and <laughs> Bro, just stuff like that, man. Crazy. It was awesome, man. Like, you just yeah. you just don't don't see that from, from other from, from other teams. But so the chemistry is off the charts, and I get it. I get that maybe you want to see this team play it out. But I think there's a lot of people out there that I think they've gone a little bit too far with this. I get it. Like, everything that we've just said, how great everything is. But I think to – have the fundamental thoughts of I'm not even gonna listen to anything because we're we're good. Like I don't, we don't need to improve. We, we're just gonna see what happens with this team and how it plays out down the stretch. I, I think you should always, unless you're the '96 Bulls, '96 Bulls. If you don't know, went 72 and 10, and even even then, I don't think you should just be closed for business. I think you should always be willing to listen. I think there are a lot of Grizz fans that have this stance, like you said, just dug in on we're not making a trade no matter what. Like you don't know what could would materialize between now and the deadline tomorrow. There could be something that just a no-brainer, like you got to go out and do it. And I know, again, like you, if things are going really well right now, you kind of hate to hate to mess with it. But I just think if anytime, if you're able to make your team better, and, and again, I, I don't think this team has made it. I think if this team cuts some breaks here and there, maybe this team could even win a championship this year. And I don't think any of us thought there would even be a possibility going into this season. But if there's something that clearly makes your team better, I think you should at least be willing to listen. And I think a lot of Grizz fans now are at the point to where they ain't, they ain't trying to hear nothing. Like, we ain't making a trade. I don't care how small it is. Like, I laid out, I think, uh, it was Jared Culver in two seconds for, for Justin Holiday, uh, who's who's actually moved on now. So that won't be happening anyway. He's in Sacramento. But they, I got stopped on, on that. Like, no no way. You can't can't do that. Can't mess up the chemistry. I think I laid out another one that it involved Xavier Tillman. It was like, no way I'm moving Xavier Tillman. He's Jaron Jackson's friend. And I'm like, man, y'all are going too far with this. Like, these are, are, are grown men. Like, faces like, on this team are going to change at some point. Like, we're like not going to. they're going to stop being friends because they trade eggs. <laughs> yeah. That ain't going to happen, man. Yeah, like like you, like like all 15 guys. I, I love everybody on this roster. 15 guys, two-way guys. I, I'm, I'm right there with everybody. I love all these guys. But uh, if, if there's something that, that Keith Kleiman in this front office thinks makes sense for the team, make, makes them better, I don't think you should not make a deal just because you feel like the, the chemistry is so good that we can't do anything to this team. I don't think they're at that level yet. Cause and I, and I, and I said this, I put this out on Twitter. I was like, when you, when you ask yourself, ask yourself, is this the best team in the NBA? And if the answer to that, that question is no, I think you should at least be pick up the phone. If, if someone calls you on a trade, I don't think you're, you're at the point where, no, nah, man, we're just dumbing it. We don't need to touch this. I'm good fam. We don't need to make any trades. I just, fundamentally disagree with that that assessment. I understand everything that's going on, how well they're playing, how good the chemistry is, but if you could improve this team, you improve the team. I mean, that's just kind of where I am on that. That was part of our conversation last night at the game. We, we were talking about it. 
actually pretty much throughout all of halftime. And the guy that was heels in the sand, he's like, you can't bust up this chemistry. You can't do it. And, you know, he was on the side. He's like, I'm not saying that this team can win a championship this year, but I think if you move somebody, you disrupt that chemistry, you can derail this team. I've said it before on here, I believe. If not, I know for sure I've said this to Isaac. The chemistry from this team is coming from John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. For the most part, you're not moving one of those guys. You're not moving a core piece unless it's some sort of crazy, insane value and you're getting an all-star caliber play in return. So the chemistry of this team is not going to change by making a move of Jarrett Culver, Kyle Anderson, you know, um, Tyus Jones. Uh, I promise these guys will be fine. Yeah. (laughs) I promise they'll be fine. There's, it's not, is it, is it going to change maybe slightly? Sure. Yeah. There'll be a little bit of adjusting, but it's not going to just dramatically change the look out of this team. I, I, I don't buy that for one second. I understand the concerns. I, I love all of these guys too. I would love it if, if they could just continue to sign these guys and the Grizzlies win a championship with this group and none of them ever leave because I like Kyle Anderson. I don't want to see him go somewhere else. I like watching him play. I like Tyus Jones. I don't want to see him leave either. Definitely don't want to see X leave. I want to see him. You know, I talked about earlier him being a rotation style player and that they could very well move into next season without Steven Adams on this roster with Jaron starting at the five and X being the backup. I'd be good with that. But change is going to happen with this team because there's, I don't think that climbing like this is his goal. Right. They want, they said extended success, long term success. And so anything that they can do to make this team better, they're going to make those moves. Uh, Man, we we didn't really go over team stats in this game, but because of the extended garbage time, I really don't think we need to jump into it. You know, we we talked a little bit about it off and on throughout the the show. Is that something you you okay with skipping that this time, Isaac? Yeah, man. We don't don't have to go through it, maybe. Grizzly dominated. I think that's kind of, kind of all you need to know about this one. Not a lot to talk about, especially. Especially from the mid-third quarter on, man, not a lot to talk about from this game. Just a, a pure dominant performance from the Grizzlies. They imposed their will and looked like a, a top-three team in the league. I mean, that's what they looked like for a, for a long time now. And again, I, I just think that's probably what they are. If it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. It, it's usually a duck. And I think in this vein, I think the Grizzlies are a duck. I think they are a true title contender. And, and again, we haven't even seen this team at full straight left. I mean, you have one of your best players in, in – Dylan Brooks has been out almost all year. I mean, you're going to get him back. So if they don't do anything tomorrow by the deadline, you can look at that as an acquisition that on a level that a lot of teams aren't going to have. I mean, that's a really good player that you add back into this with what he does on the offensive and defensive end. So, uh, again, man, I, I've kind of been on the train that they do something, uh, and I think it's going to be a move around the margins. I, I think Jared Culver, I just think they do something with it. I don't think they move Kyle Tyus unless something materializes that that they feel like they can't pass up. But I just, doing this front office, I just can't see them sitting on all three of those those contracts. I think Jared Culver, you have a lot of draft capital, second-round picks, a lot of things you can move there. I, I think if I had to predict, if, if you said, like, who's the the biggest name realistically on this team, and, and even with the way he's been playing lately, I, I doubt this, but I think D'Anthony Melton would be the biggest guy that I think that, that 
could, could possibly move. I guess Kyle Anderson, I guess you could throw him in there. I don't think there's really any chance they move Ty Jones unless there's something crazy that happens. But uh, Kyle, Kyle Anderson or Deathly Melton, I think, are the biggest names you could even feasibly see move. But I, I think they pull out something, and I think Jared Culver will be involved. But we'll see. I think tomorrow's going to be a fun day, man. And you have a lot of a lot of trades up in during, during that deadline. That's kind of when, when the Grizzlies have made their moves on the trade deadline. So we'll see how it plays out. Yep. Sports Ethos, we are doing the trade deadline special tomorrow, uh, starting at 10 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. I think I lead off with Steven Vitovich. I don't know if we've got anybody else going on with us right off the bat, but I know that there is a huge lineup of Sports Ethos guys that are going to be on there, and we're not yeah, necessarily going to be talking about the uh, reality basketball part of it as more that this is going to be fantasy-focused. So if you're playing fantasy basketball, you want to check that out, go over to YouTube, the Sports Ethos YouTube channel. We've got the the show is scheduled. You can like it and turn on your notifications when we go live. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be, again, Thursday morning, 10 o'clock Pacific Standard Time is the start. And if I'm not mistaken, that thing's going to run from 10 o'clock through the trade deadline, and we're going to cover all the trades that have already happened and what type of implications they're going to have for the remainder of the fantasy season. And you're going to have some of the best some of the best minds in fantasy basketball on the show, Dan Bespris, Adam King, and I think that you may even hear from the big dog toward the end of that show for a short period being Aaron Brewski. So looking for, man, that's going to be so much fun. I love the the live videos, love fantasy, and I like talking basketball in general. So, you know, as you can tell from the show, we, we kind of branch into other teams from time to time because we're just straight up basketball fans. But we'll go ahead and get out of here. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at David W2111. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, man. Special thanks to, to Stephen Bagale uh, from the Birds Right Podcast here on the Ethos Network for joining us. Definitely enjoyed his insight here on the first segment. Uh, definitely want to have him on in the future, man. He's a sharp guy, man. Knows his stuff, man. Uh, front office trades, and he even does some draft stuff. So definitely going to have him back on. Anybody that listens to the podcast knows how much David and I love NBA draft talk. So uh, we're not trying to rush it, but once this season's over, we're definitely going to dive deep head first back into that, man. Love over the summer, man. The train never stops here with the Ethos Grizzlies podcast, but you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals, I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. Uh, the Grizzlies take on the Detroit Pistons tomorrow in Detroit, uh, so we'll be back with a post game, and we're going to possibly have a special guest, man. David, real quick, tell us who's going to be on with us. Uh, a special guest? Yeah, was somebody supposed to join us tomorrow? Uh, oh, yeah, man. Look, dude, my my, you, you threw me off guard. Yes, yeah, so, um, Candace is actually so sports ethos. We're we're bridging out, right? We're starting more than just basketball. That's why we transferred from hootball into sports ethos. Candace is going to come on. She is going to be the the head person for the Seahawks coverage for Sports Ethos when we get the football division launch. She's been working on that behind the scenes, and she's a huge Grizzlies fan. So we're going to have Candace come on with us for the post game tomorrow, and you may start seeing her more frequently. Uh, we'll just kind of see. I don't want to stretch her too thin. She is working on getting the Seahawks stuff up and going. So I'm looking forward to that. Very sharp mind. Very, very smart. And she loves sports, and I'm all about man getting some diversity, get another voice in here that yeah. can maybe keep us in line. We'll see how sure. it goes. So, looking forward to that. Um, and also talking about the draft stuff, PBJ baby, that's my <laughs> that's my number one. I'm telling you, Patrick Baldwin Jr. I man, 
lose my mind if he ends up being a Grizzly on draft night next year. We'll, we'll see what happens between now and then. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of good ones. Uh, but we won't we won't jump in that. We'll just get out of here. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, the show is at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm a duo two and one one. I just did I Until next time, we gone. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.